Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Here we are. It's another episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. Here's the thing. I got to do something different to kick things off now because we're actually, the audio feed is actually coming. It's coming on Monday. (laughs) I'm promising it to you. It's coming on Monday. The first 10 episodes are going to drop at the same time and then we'll be exactly a week behind. So live will be exactly a week ahead of the the audio feed. um, That's right. Everywhere. So anyways, you get the preview here live and um, that includes ridiculous intros like that because there's going to be a real intro. Right. On the actual thing, we get Sane Barrett, where on the line, live version, we just get, uh, you know, whatever luck of the draw Barrett we happen to get. That's right. It depends on the day. <laughs> you never know. Let's start off with how are you doing? Uh, I'm, uh, let's see. Okay. I woke up super early this morning. Yes, you did. I think I started working at five this morning, 5.15. I have this weird thing where I go to sleep. No, I wake up no more than eight hours after I go to sleep, no matter what time I sleep, go to sleep. I went to bed early last night, seven hours, 45 minutes later. Boom. Let's go. It wasn't that excited, but you know. Anyway, so I woke up early, got plenty of work done. Um, Kind of bummed about what's going on in the world. You know, no surprise there. Otherwise, life is good. I have this goal of getting at least two hours of focused work done every day, tracked with my little forest app. I've already hit that for the day. I hit that by 8 a.m. So today's already a success. So anyway, yellow overall, green because of work, red because of the state of the world, and uh, averages to yellow. And you've officially won your productivity for the day. You Like I after have. this, you can just you can just turn it all off, you know? It's like, <laughs> ah, I won. <laughs> That's right. What about you? How are you doing today? Oh, well, I got to say hi to Teddy and Stacy who are in the chat. It's a, I love seeing just real humans. It's so nice. It's like the best approximation for real contact right now is this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, I'm, I'm green today. And the reason, as you all know, on my sleep escapades lately with my child, he slept for like six hours straight last night. And I woke up this morning feeling like a million bucks. That wasn't even a full night's sleep, but it was consecutive hours of sleep. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. We can do this today. Let's go. So yeah, I think I'm green. You know, I'm definitely, you know, affected like anyone by everything going on, but we had a good team call this morning with our team, every Thursday, we kick off the, well, the West Coast workday, at least with um, a team call, obviously our, our European teammates, it's more of like a happy hour kind of thing. Last night, had a great uh, family dinner with my in-laws, my wife and our son. My uh, mother-in-law made Thai-style roasted chicken. Uh, it was, oh, it was nice. like chicken and rice. It was so good. And then uh, I stayed up a little bit late, not too late, but reading... Um, academic research paper by Adam Grant called When Callings Are Calling about uh, people who view their work as a calling and what they do when their work is not directly overlapping with what they view as a calling. So it was really fascinating. Um, I'm going to write a little article about that on my site tonight. So anyways, there's the long update. Nice. Yeah, that's good. I don't cook very much at home these days. Hillary loves to cook and she's just been going all out lately. 
Uh, the other day she made pasta from scratch and it's just, it's incredible how much better it takes or oh, tastes yeah. than when you just pour it out of the box, you know, like, <laughs> anyway, it was just like the simplest dish. And you're just like, this is, this is insane. So our so local good. grocery store, uh, I don't eat gluten. Our local grocery store has fresh gluten-free pasta. So it's mostly rice, oh, nice. uh, rice and eggs. And man, it only takes like four minutes at most to cook the noodles. And uh, it's delicious, just completely different. Soft, the texture is really nice. And yeah. Okay, anyways, we'll start stop, uh, obsessing <laughs> over noodles. In other news, um, things are, are not looking good. You look at the growth chart of cases for the US and it's, it's starting to actually need to be on its own chart in right. terms of how many cases we're adding. Over 20,000 cases a day lately. Oh, God. Yeah, it's bad. Um, we're now officially double Italy as far as uh, total cases and 2,000 cases away from 1 million worldwide. Yeah. Um, I will say in current events, something that I just watched, we'll drop a link to it, was I believe the CBS did a 30-minute segment with Bill Gates. And in the world of people reporting just on bad news or I told you so or uh, whoever is responding terribly, like all the things going on, uh, it was just a really refreshing conversation. The conversation wasn't refreshing. It was depressing overall because he's like, we're in this for the long haul. But he just, he didn't engage in anything political, any direction. He wouldn't actually even say anything negative about anybody really. And it was just all about, this is the work we need to do to get through this. So that's on YouTube. I'll drop a link to it, but I'd highly recommend checking it out because it was just one of those like, wow, this is the most, well, not only has he been saying since 2015, like we have to prepare for this and outlining it and donating money to it and everything else. But then he's like, okay, we didn't pre prepare. Here's where we're at. Here's what we do next. And uh, if I could elect him to some office, he, he doesn't want that by any means, but <laughs> you know, I totally would. He's definitely got a plan. He's um, he wrote a great article in a research journal as well about the same thing. Just like, okay, so here's where we are. Um, there's nothing we can do about where we've been. So let's just talk about where we're going. Good to have steady voices in times like these. So, um, okay, well, that's that. That's the, the current events. Stay inside is exactly right. Emily says in the chat, I, I you know, I'm just going to keep hammering on it. Stay Can't at home. Enough. Go get groceries once a week. That's it. Let's turn to our topic for the day. So uh, you took a little break right before this, rightfully so, because you were up at ridiculous <laughs> hour working. And I put together an outline that I forced you into, which is uh, focused on promoting your work. You know, I sometimes have, I default to content sometimes, but I realize sometimes it's not necessarily just content. If you're a maker, it might be whatever products you're making. If you're an artist, it might be your art or your music. Um, so there's a lot of different ways uh, or a lot of different types of work, but they all deserve promotion. And one thing that's true, or at least that's true about me as a creator, as a writer, is that I enjoy the process of creating much more than I enjoy the process of promoting. But much like you've talked about before, Promoting is a skill, just like making money is a skill, just like creating yep. content or work is a skill. And I think the more we can normalize the fact that it is a skill you can learn, it is something that's just as important as creating, especially if you're going to earn a living or earn any kind of income from your original work, then the more we can wrap our heads around the fact that our work is not done until we've promoted it. Mm -hmm. And that's what today's episode is about is how can you promote your work well and maybe even develop it into a system so it doesn't feel quite so overwhelming or threatening. I like it. So I want to jump in at the top with kind of a, a mindset piece here. 
And Nathan, I want to especially get your perspective on the mindset, because I feel like you've always, you've had more intention around promoting than I have in the past. And I think you've been better at it in many cases. So, um, I've got some thoughts that I can share from my perspective that, uh, I don't like promoting my work, but I, I wondered if you could kick us off with how do you think about promotion of your work in relation to the creating process and like, where does that live in your mind? Yeah, I think the first thing I think of promotion, maybe inherently as like a negative thing. Like if I were to say like, oh, Barrett, you're such a self-promoter, you know, like that, that's not a compliment. And so if I were to say the same thing to myself, I could do this Oh, but then I'd just be a self-promoter. That's probably where I started thinking about um, promotion and how I felt about it of like, oh, if I make something good enough, it should just, it should get traction and go viral and it, you know, uh, let the work uh, speak for itself. Like that kind of attitude. Yes. That is the romantic view that everyone wants to have. It's like, this work is so good. I don't even have to do anything (laughs) to promote it. Right. And, and not only that, but the people who do promote their work, like, you know, they're distracting from something else that's more meaningful. And that's just not true. And you have to move past that. And so I definitely moved past that over time and got to the point where promotion is something that I don't enjoy as much as the creation but I do enjoy it. And it turns into a fun game and process all in itself of who can you get to know, what communities can you grow and be a part of and all of that. And something that is very true and that we'll emphasize all the time is just like creating is a long game, then promotion is a long game as well, right? Like we say, create every day, show up every day for two years. It's the same thing. You, you have to work that into your process as a core, uh, a core part of it. And so actually in the early days, I would spend half of my time, this is my recommendation, half creating content, half on promotion. And that promotion includes getting to know other creators and getting out there and, you know, engaging in communities and all that. But just think about that time and and put time blocks in accordingly because it's that important. Yep. I love it. Um, I had a couple of thoughts on mindset and the long game one was kind of where I started. And I think one of the best ways you can think about this and we'll link to a a talk in the show notes related to it, but every piece of work you do is a small bet. If you think about a musician, right? Um, you can engineer hits, you know, there are certainly common characteristics to hits that take off, but there's also a lot that's unexpected. And sometimes you never know which of your songs is going to become the hit single, uh, or, go race up the charts. The same is true of an online piece of content. You don't know. Sometimes the ones that you think are the throwaway piece of content are the ones that take off. An example of this for me was back in the day, I wrote one on accepting and declining job offers, posted it to Hacker News and engineers went nuts because I think there's something about an engineer personality. It's like, uh, the interview and job selection process is just inefficient and annoying. Right. And I would not write the same article today because it was slightly naive and I have so much more experience now, but it was directionally correct. I did not think that was going to take off. It was a copy paste article from an ebook and course that I had done. And I was just trying to promote that course by, you know, taking a little section of it and publishing it. And there it was, it got reposted to a site called Lifehacker and all this stuff, but I had no idea. So every piece of work you put out is a small bet that you're making And you're trying to maximize your chances of winning big on that bet by creating useful content, shareable content, or some other kind of resonant work um, Mm -hmm. that you're putting out. And the more you can design it to be shareable, 
And the more you can know that promotion is a part of this, it's not just creating, the more likely your chances of winning. Uh, and the talk that I want to link you to is it's something like tiny bets or lottery tickets or something like that from XOXO a couple years back. Uh, actually, it might be a few years back now, but it's essentially about this concept exactly. Every piece of work you do is a small bet on your future and your audience's growth. Two quick examples on not knowing what's going to take off. One from Justin Jackson, who actually has been our longest continuous paying ConvertKit customer since 2013. So shout out to Justin. He's been uh, supporting us and using ConvertKit for seven years now. So really appreciate him. But he wrote this piece called Words. I think it's just at justinjackson.com slash words, something like that. I'll have to look it up. But um, it's just this, this article about writing meaningful content. It's super short. And now it's been translated into tons of languages and has hundreds of thousands of views. And it, it like was this crazy thing. And, uh, you know, it was relatively short, simple content. And then the other one um, that I did is I put out a post called Endure Long Enough to Get Noticed. And that was one, I had a, a streak of publishing every Monday and it was Monday and I had to get a post out. And I was uh, flying to... Denver to go skiing. And I wrote that post on the plane. And then as we were driving up to Breckenridge, we stopped at a Starbucks and I was like, all right, I got to get this published. And I was hanging out with, uh, our buddy, Daryl Vesterfeld, and, you know, and like he came up with the title for it and, you know, just want to say that I put it out there and it still gets referenced. Like there was this big webinar with, uh, Russell Brunson and Tony Robbins and people like that. And Russell Brunson was on that webinar to like 500,000 people talking about, this article that I wrote, you know, and you're like, that was not what I expected of that to go and get that reach. Um, but you never know. And so you got to take, uh, keep taking these consistent small bets. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think what we want to get into today is thinking about two things. What can your promotion system look like? We have a checklist at the top of our content doc for this podcast that just says, do these things. Check that both mics are recording because Nathan Barry has an unreliable ear. Make sure your QuickTime <laughs> files. It doesn't say that. It just says <laughs> check that both mics are recording. Uh, <laughs> make sure QuickTime files are recording. Yada 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 yada. And if I could leave you with just one takeaway, it would be that you create a list that is the list of things you do to promote every piece of work that you create. Because then all it is, is I'm following my process. I'm not self-promoting. I'm not working against my values. I'm following my process that is part of me creating my best work. So that's my core thought that I want you to take away from today. But before we get into this, we're going to go through channels that we think can work for promoting your work. I want to touch briefly back on a thing that we've, we've talked a little bit about before, which is how to alter your promotion in the current environment, if at all. Mm -hmm. So Nathan, I don't know if you want to offer some thoughts here just on how to frame your content so that people don't feel like you're insensitive or not paying attention. Well, this is this article, um, that just came out from, I think yesterday, maybe from Rand Fishkin and it's just titled read the room. And I really like that. Uh, he has his own take on it, you know, read it, form your own argument. But, but the gist is basically as, you know, a marketer today or as someone doing promotion, like read the room that you're coming into, you know, some joke might have been totally fine before. And, and now is just, you know, it's too soon or the wrong timing for it or, or whatever else. And so I guess no two things, one, read the room. And then two, don't be overly sensitive. There's a lot of people out there who, so long as you have that awareness that this is the environment that you're putting content out into, there's really a lot of people who are desperate for content that's not about all the difficult things going on in the world. 
And so we said this before, but, you know, kind of that shout out to the creators who are consistent with their work and, and saying like, great, the world's falling apart and I'm showing up with my usual content, you know, every day or every week accordingly. And I'm giving people that outlet, uh, from the current news cycle. Yeah. And I think, um, my, my wife shared with me an, uh, email from the founder of this fashion company called Nisolo, which is a company that really focuses on sustainable fashion creation in it. He basically says something along the lines of, look, stuff's hard. The fashion industry is getting crushed right now. We're part of that. We've taken a huge hit in revenue. We're not backed by massive investors. We're going to get back to business as usual in terms of promoting. And that's not because we think everyone needs to buy something right now, but some people will want to. And if we want to be able to offer jobs to people in the future, we've got to be able to sell what we make. And so here's ways you can buy. Here's ways you can support us. Here's ways you can actually make money from us by, you know, returning used shoes and other things like that. But I want you to know we're all in this together. And this has nothing to do with the fact that we think everyone needs to buy something. In fact, we don't. Uh, We're not buying anything right now. But this is our business. And I loved that because it frames everything that comes next. And some people will miss that message. And some of the people who miss that message will think negatively about that company, at least for a little period of time. But those aren't your people. That's the other thing you got to realize is you can only do your best and you're in it for your audience and the people that resonate with what you make or whose your work resonates with. And so you can only do your best to communicate. My intentions are here. Here's where my heart comes from. I'm trying to entertain you or share with you or make art for you in a time when we all need distraction. So if you couch it in that, I think you're going to be okay. Let's get into some, some channels though. Unsurprisingly, I started with email. Email, I think, is the heart of everything. It's kind of like the hub of uh, all of your other channels because all of the other channels can bring people back and centralize them on your email list. But the first thing I always like to do when I write a piece of content is I then write the email. And I don't do any design in my emails. Um, I just write words just like it's me to a friend. I find that to be more effective. Some people like to have really nice designs and colors and everything. What I do in my email is I I've tested two things. Sometimes I've included the full text of the article. My Alexa wants to join the conversation. <laughs> but um, sometimes I've included the full text. That can work. That that optimizes for just subscriber experience. You don't make them go anywhere. They can just read it right there in their inbox. The other way I've done it is I tell them why I wrote the article or the emotion behind the article or just a little bit of the like behind the scenes. Here's where this came from and why I think you'll like it maybe two, three sentences. I find that that works best for click-through for me. Full content works good for engagement. And so it's just a question of what are you, what are you optimizing for there? But always I email my list when I write a piece of content. Yeah. And I, and I switch back and forth between including the full content in the email and linking to a post. Um, and generally if it's fewer than 500 words, I'll include the full content. And if it's more than that, it's not a hard rule, but if it's more than that, then I'll link off to it. Sometimes like the little Seth Godin style, you know, three to five sentence blog posts, um, I'll always put those just in an email and they really resonate with people. One thing that I will do though, is whenever I put it all in the email, I will add a little note that says, if you want to read this on the web or share it, click here. And that goes, uh, not, not to the archive page for the email, um, but actually specifically to, uh, the public broadcast. Cause people would always email and be like, okay, great. But how do I tweet this? You know, and you want to make that as easy as possible. 
I like that. I like that rule of thumb for, you know, if it's short enough that it's a normal email length, include it. Cause like, yeah, I don't, I don't include my long form stuff. It's usually a daily little quip that's in the email. Um, and then adding that link so that people know where to get it and know how to share it. Cause obviously part of the goal here is for you to promote your stuff, which means your audience are your biggest fans and they're the people most likely to share it on your behalf. So the second thing is also email, but it's not your list. It's not in mass. This one is the hardest for me. It's always the hardest for me because it feels like it's the riskiest. But I actually think that if you come from the right place and you do it authentically, it can be really effective. And that's to send individual emails to people you in your network who you know that you think would personally like the content and benefit from it. And sometimes you think their audience would. Here's my approach. I send it to them and I say, hey, I wrote this thing. For me, I'm just going to speak in terms of writing because I write. That's what my uh, work is. I wrote this thing. It's a question or a topic that we've talked about before. I thought you'd enjoy it. I'd love your feedback if you have any. That's it. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, if someone reads your stuff and they like it and they're active somewhere where they have an audience, they're going to share it if they want to share it. You don't even have to say anything. And the difference between an email of, I made this, I hope you like it. And I made this, I hope you like it. And if you like it, will you share it? Is a pretty big difference, I think, in how it feels. I think it is. And you know that will you share it is somewhat inherent in the ask. And so you don't you don't need to say it. We understand that, you know, people have followings online and, and everything else. So uh with that, just saying you could even go further. I made this thing that I'm proud of. I think you might like it too. I like that. And you know, that's the thing. Okay, so here's an example. The post that I wrote for the team. Um, that I published uh, on my blog last week about how we prepared for this moment and, and all of that. That was just going to be a, uh, you know, it's just written for our own internal base camp. It was not a public thing. But I knew that my friend Brian Harris would really like it because he's been saying similar things to his team. And so I took screenshots of it, texted it to him and said, I wrote this, I think you'll like it. You know, and he wrote back and he like highlighted sections and was like, this is my love language. You know, he he absolutely loved it. And he's like, you should turn this into a blog post and share it, you know? And, and so it's basically him saying, if you were to print this publicly, I would gladly share it. But it was just that thing of like, I knew I liked the thing that I made. I knew he would like it too. And I was just going out there and doing that and sharing it that way. But I would take it a step further. And instead of who immediately comes to mind, I would force yourself to sit there and try to list out as many people as possible who fit that category. My goal would be to get to 25. Just put them in a spreadsheet of 25 people who I think would enjoy or resonate with this thing that I made. And the first time you make that spreadsheet, it's going to be the hardest um, or write it down in your journal or whatever. Uh, the second time it's going to be easier, right? Because maybe 15 people from the first one will resonate with the second one. And just having that kind of approach, I think can be really helpful. And it's going to force you to spend more than like, uh, okay. Barrett would like it. And Matt and okay. okay, Yeah. You know, it's going to force you to go beyond, you know, two or three people and actually get at least to 10 or 15. Yeah. I like the idea of making the list. If that feels daunting to you, if I were going to make my checklist, it'd be email my email list first. And then second, it would be email at least three people personally Mm -hmm. who would like this piece of content because that is approachable. And I think if you get If you see what works and you learn a little bit with that smaller risk, I think it'll be much more comfortable to get to that bigger, to sending the number of emails of the people on your list, not just writing them down. Agreed. 
Okay, let's get into social. Um, I've got a couple of examples of things that either I've done that I've seen work or that friends are doing that we've seen work. Um, and I just want to touch on a couple platforms for kind of how we might use them to promote. So the first place I wanted to start is Instagram. I think Instagram continues to be one of the social platforms with the fastest audience growth potential, but you've got to find unique ways to use it because it's a different platform than everything else. One of the ways I've really loved, um, I mentioned Baron Quadro yesterday and he's doing kind of outfit of the day stuff where you can dress him in his stories. And that's really effective. Sometimes he's linking to articles that highlight the brands or the outfit that he's sharing. I think that's really smart. You've already seen it, you get it. And now you might want to know more. And if you do, it's a very natural reason to want to go click on the thing and read more about it, or maybe to click on one of his links and buy one of the products, which leads to revenue for him. The second thing I've seen lately that this is really, uh, really interesting. And he's always been kind of a pioneer in finding ways to distribute his content. James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, one of our friends, member of our mastermind group that we've talked about, you know, you're going to hear a lot of the same names because part of our core crew is just our best friends, basically. James has always republished his work and we can get more into republishing in a bit, but he's changed tactics based on the hot platform of the moment. So he used to republish on places like Medium or Inc or other places like that. Now what he's doing is he primarily writes a newsletter. He doesn't write a lot of articles right now, but occasionally he'll get an article out too. His newsletter, he's sharing the core of it in his stories through screenshots, the whole thing. And then at the end, you can go find it on his site. And when he writes an article, he's also doing that. And for some reason, I found that I read it more often that way than I do click through to a site because it's right there. I don't have to do anything, you know, and I know James, I know where his work is. I appreciate it. I'm always going to buy anything that he puts out, but I'm not, I I don't want my email. I don't, I don't get any newsletters, which is weird for the company that we run. But like, the problem is that I could get infinite newsletters if I wanted to. And so I just don't get any, and I go find the stuff that I need when I need it. But James puts it in front of me in a place where I'm already hanging out. So I think that's really smart. So republishing your content on a place like Instagram stories can work really well. Yeah. Two other people that I think do Instagram stories really well in a somewhat non-traditional way are Ramit Sethi from I Will Teach You to Be Rich and then Ryan Holiday. Uh, They both put a lot of effort into Instagram stories, kind of a blend of their life and also like really actionable content. Um, So I'm a big fan of that. I'm going to call ourselves out. And uh, this is the thing you can hold us accountable to. Our natural networks are going to be men. And that's a well-studied phenomenon. And so if you notice us, like we just did, we just did a thing. We shared four examples. They were all men. And they're all people we know personally. Our intention is to be more widely read and to use examples that resonate more widely with a large group of people. So feel free to call us out on that. We're never going to be offended. And we'll, we'll go do our homework to find examples that are broader than just the people we hang out with. Totally. And feel free to make other suggestions as well. Yep. Um, okay. <laughs> it's already 1227. Okay. Let's, uh, we're going to skip each social platform. Maybe we'll write up a little bit more about it. I'll share one thing about Twitter. Yeah. You share about Twitter. Cause I was going to make sure that we didn't, we didn't skip it. Cause I, I think it is, it is actionable. Yeah. Okay. So on Twitter, here's one of the things I've found to be effective tweet threads. As long as you don't go nuts. Sometimes I I'll do like a 35 tweet thread and someone will be like, you know, there's blogs for this, right? So there's some kind of sweet spot in between, I think maybe seven and 15 tweets somewhere in there. I think the shorter, the better. 
but it can effectively be similar content to what you would put in an email to your audience where you're kind of giving the like, here's what's going on in my world. Here's what I've been thinking about. Here's a thing that I made that I think will make you think about it differently too. And here's why you should go read it right now. And you bring someone in with maybe like a, it doesn't have to be controversial, but it's like the moral of the story kind of thing right up front, the hook. And then you lead them down a path of like, why is Barrett talking about this? And at the end is the link. And it's the same kind of thing as Barron with his outfits on Instagram or anywhere else where it's like, oh, that's interesting. I think I want to read more about that. And some people will, and most people won't. But you give people a reason and a a Twitter thread, I think sometimes can get more traction than just like a tweet. Hey, I wrote this thing, read it. Right. Yeah. And so I would think of it in the same way as the Instagram stories of taking the highlights of the article and putting it in a format that's right in front of them. And so then you can start to read it and go, oh, this is really interesting. Like the number of times that I've gotten really engaged in somebody's Twitter thread the ones that I tend to follow are, are like, they're breaking down the financials of a company or something like that. And I'm so engaged and I look and there's like 2000 retweets on this. And, you know, I realize like, oh, most everyone else would have just linked to a blog post and I would have never gotten sucked into it unless they had the perfect heading. So I think with Instagram and Twitter, we know that the content is condensed down to its highest value form. And then when we're hooked, we're like, oh, great. Let me go find more details because this is really interesting. Yeah, that's exactly it. So here's what I want to summarize on social. Use the platform where the people who want your stuff are likely to be. You know, for us, I think on Twitter, there's a lot of businessy people. There's a lot of tech people. There's a lot of software people. So the circles we run with are the people who are on Twitter. Obviously, there's a wide swath of people on Twitter, but that tends to be a lot of the creators that we're like, that are listening to us and we're listening to. Instagram is a different community. That might be more like where your people hang out. And same thing with Pinterest or Facebook or LinkedIn. There's different purposes for each platform, but principles that are good there are sharing the essence of what you do, sharing the hook of why someone would be interesting, uh, interested in that piece of work that you've made, and then giving them just enough where they can decide whether they want more and then making them go get it on your site from the social platform. Because one thing that's true is it's good to have a large social following. It's way better to have email subscribers from that following because you can get back in touch more easily. Yeah, for sure. Okay, rapid fire here. Let's talk uh, republishing communities and paid ads real quick. Yeah, so republishing, uh, basically the idea that people had for a long time was basically saying, uh, the I only care as long as I get the traffic, right? Traffic only matters if it's if it's to my site. I want to show up in my Google Analytics. And really what I'd encourage you to think about is the important thing is to get the content and the idea and whatever you're creating in front of the right people. And don't worry as much about if you get the traffic for it. Uh, You want to get that exposure and that reach. And so, you know, someone came up with a question the other day of we've we've been putting out these beautiful documentaries that we're incredibly proud of. And the question was like, should we let people republish part of that or all of that on their Instagram or on their YouTube? And the first response was like, no, because we need that view count. We need all that. And and I just came in and said, like, it doesn't matter. We need people to watch these stories. We need people to engage with it. And so republishing is that idea where you take the same post, you publish it first on your site, but then you publish it on Medium, on Quora, on these other communities where you can get it out to more people. An example of that is I'm somewhat active in the uh, entrepreneur subreddit and What I'll do there is take my posts. If I write something that I'm really proud of and I think they'll really like, I will take it, remove anything promotional from it. There's no backlinks to my site. There's nothing like that. 
And I say, hey, I wrote this thing. I think you guys will like it. And I publish it. And so it's all directly, you know, as a self-post in Reddit. And I've had a couple posts just be incredibly popular there. And people will inevitably say, okay, wait, and sorry, what's your company? And what's the link to this other thing? And I'll answer those questions specifically in the comments. But these other communities tend to be very adverse to people coming in and being like, here's a link. Give me some traffic, please. And so if you said you come in and say, I don't need anything from you guys, but I made this thing and I think you'll really like it. And here's the version that has zero self-promotion, then it can really resonate. The way I would sum that up is if you can think of promotion as an act of service to the people who need or want what you make, then I think it will feel much better and you'll do it right. Because what you're doing in that situation is in Reddit, people want the content right there. They don't want people coming in and spamming and getting off topic and them getting distracted. That's the community. That's where they want to be. And so you're giving them what they want, where they want it. And then you're leaving it up to them. If you gain mind share with them, then they're going to want more and everyone wins. And in the meantime, you've just helped some people out who are going to stay right there and read it and may never be part of your audience. But you don't need everyone. You're, you know, you're sifting for gold and you're going to get some people who stick with you for a long time out of it, but it's not going to be everyone. You don't need everyone is the important thing to remember. Okay. Last two. You kind of actually touched on republishing and communities. So I'll leave communities there. There are communities for everything. SoundCloud, Reddit, Hacker News, a million other ones where your people or the people who could be your fans and audience are hanging out already. Go to them. Don't just wait on them to come to you. Go to them. And then lastly, uh, paid ads. We have found for our business, which is very cash comfortable right now, and we have the ability to pay for this. So I want to start there. If your business is healthy and if cash is not a constraint, paid promotion of your content can be a good way to accelerate your business growth. What we do there is we promote whole pieces of content, a video we've made, a story we've written, usually things that aren't necessarily directly like go buy or thing. They're more like stories that people are really going to enjoy or a piece of content that's really going to help them. We target the audience accordingly on whatever platform you might be using. We tend to use the Facebook power editor and then pump it out to every location that it needs to be from there. We've gotten hundreds of thousands of views of pieces of content based on that. Yeah. Up into the millions, actually, if you combine them across a couple videos. Right. And the interesting thing is that that often leads also to organic sharing and commenting and engagement, which furthers the reach of it for lower costs. So paid ads is definitely another way you can do it. I would set a budget per piece of content and I would put this last on my checklist and I would only do it for the pieces that I think are going to be lend themselves to getting great engagement from people who have never heard of me. So anyways, that's the checklist. Maybe we'll uh, try and put like a, here's the one, two, three, four, five into the show notes. That'd be good. All right, let's dive into creators of the day. Creators of the day. Here we are. (laughs) Okay. Today I've got Nicole Walters. Nicole Walters is a ray of sunshine and a human body. When she gets on a stage, when she gets on an Instagram live or a webinar, uh, she's just got that energy that will make you want to go accomplish all of your goals right afterwards. She's been a speaker at Craft and Commerce. She teaches you how to build your business well. Presumably, if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in these kinds of topics. And so I think you'll like her content too. Nicole is a black woman. She's a very confident woman. She models herself. I think she says this after kind of like Oprah, Oprah for today. 
in a way. And I think she's got that kind of talent. She could be that level of, uh, of resonant. And I'm excited to actually see if she has like a next phase of her career, if she ever finishes up doing what she's doing now, because she had a professional phase, then she, meaning like she was in a profession and then she made this business that she's in now. If she has a next phase, I wouldn't be surprised if it was in some kind of mass media. Yep, I agree. Anyways, she'll entertain you, she'll inspire you, she'll educate you, and I couldn't be a bigger fan. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> I was at uh, the Financial Bloggers Conference this last fall and I don't remember, I was staying in line at the hotel, something like that. And somebody comes up and you can just tell when somebody comes up with the energy, right? And she comes up and she goes, Nathan, I'm Nicole Walters. If you remember me, and I was like, okay, Nicole, there is no way that I could ever forget you. Like just so much energy. And, uh, and she really delivers when she's on stage and everywhere else. Yeah, so. totally. She's amazing. Uh, the creator that I have today, his name is Matt Ragland. He's a good friend of both of ours. Uh, he was at ConvertKit uh, for a few years in the early days, like really building the platform. The reason I think you should follow him is he has a great YouTube channel. It's actually been really fun to watch him build this. It was at one of our team retreats when he sat down with Charlie and our team and like said, I think I'm going to start a YouTube channel, you know, and guys first like few subscribers and all of that. And it's been fun to watch him you know, really grow. Cause we always see people when they have these established channels and all the success. And he did one on uh, bullet journaling and habits and tips for productive people, youtube.com slash Matt Regland. But it's been amazing to watch him go from literally five subscribers and just stay consistent for a long time and be up over 42,000 subscribers. He's got a lot of great stuff. Uh, definitely check him out. Door long enough to get noticed. That's right. Okay. Resource of the day. I'm not, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm not in love with software tools. I don't think they necessarily make anything better unless you have a specific need. I had a specific need, which is that I sometimes end up with like 12 different lists of stuff all over my desk. I hired, uh, we hired at ConvertKit uh, an executive assistant for me this, well, last year now, in 2019, late 2019. Uh, Her name is Tanya. She is amazing. And I'm so grateful for her. But one of the things that I needed was a shared to-do list. So I couldn't just be writing on my sticky notes every day anymore. And I'm not in love with Basecamp. The reason being that there's so much company stuff in Basecamp that anytime I logged in there, I would get distracted. So I started using my own to-do list app. It's not meant to be for anyone else other than my assistant and I. Uh, It's called Todoist. It's very effective. It syncs across devices. Multiple people can be logged in. And uh, it's been a really effective way to for inherent communication between my executive assistant and I, because I can check things off or add things. And then she can automatically look at my calendar and say, okay, you've got this amount of time. I think you can get these things done today. So I'm going to move everything out else off your day and put these three tasks there. And oh, it's wonderful. So if you have an assistant or even just if you want a place that's just your to-dos and not like all of the other noise of your business, I really enjoy Todoist and I think you might too. Sounds good. Uh, my recommendation today is really simple. It's just AirPods Pro. You would think like, can head, headphones be that good? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, one of our team members actually just got some today after I've been telling him for a while he should get them. And he said, wow, they really are every bit as, as good as uh, everyone said. And life shall be forever demarcated between uh, life before AirPods Pro and life after. The reason that I love them is I use them all the time out in the shop because they work as hearing protection and I get to listen to my podcasts. And because of that, I finished the 36-hour Warren Buffett book yesterday and I never would have done it without those. They're amazing. Uh, I'm like, ah, la, 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 la. I don't need <laughs> to spend money on this right now, but I want them. 
<laughs> okay, closing thought of the day. I feel like we need some kind of like serious transition here. Like, okay, come on in close and let's have a serious chat now. It's time for closing thought of the day. With Barrett Brooks. With Barrett Brooks. Uh, anyways, in my experience, one of the key differences between creators who have a hobby that they work on and creators who earn a living from their work is their level of willingness and comfort with doing the heavy lifting of getting their work to spread. They don't just create great stuff. They make sure they get it to spread to the extent that they can. And so if you want to earn a living, promotion is just as important as creation. And if you look at it as an act of service to the people who need what you make, I think it will be a very powerful tool for you. Love it. It's a great place to end. All right. See y'all tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time. Thank you.